Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 391 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And tonight you have tuned into the Weekender Edition. This is where we discuss upcoming amateur radio contests, amateur radio special events, open source events, open source software, all kinds of great things you can do in the world of computing and amateur radio. And then we dive right into hedonism where we discuss music sometimes and booze all the time and food for sure and all the things that make life worth living so let's get on with it i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill ne4rd all right excellent so the way we usually start the weekenders did i mention this was weekender number 65 i'm not sure that i did but it is you didn't it's the 65th edition of the weekender so we have been doing this a little while and we're glad you tuned in to listen to us. And Bill is going to take us through their beginning segment of This Weekend in Amateur Radio, which involves upcoming contests. That's right. CQ Contest, CQ Contest. These are the contests we pick out from ContestCalendar.com, the most fabulous ContestCalendar.com that there could be. Uh, this weekend, is uh, I'm only going to mention one contest because we've got you know, obviously a big start here. Uh, the Mexico Ritty International Contest is this weekend, uh, from 1200 Zulu, February 6th to 2359 Zulu, February 7th. Bands there are 80 meters through 10 meters, a no work mode, of course, is Ritty, not FT8, Ritty. And the call there, if you're uh, calling CQ, it's CQXE test or CQ Mexico test. So, uh, be sure to use that and get your warble on. And, of course, this weekend is the big opener. It's the state CUSO party challenge. And of course, the worked all CUSO parties challenges are starting. Uh, this is, uh, we got Vermont, Minnesota and British Columbia in the opener. So we got three of them going. So, uh, be mindful of your logs and separating everything out. Um, again, let's remind you, if you want to be part of the state CUSO party challenge for 2021, you need to only submit your scores to 3830 scores. A lot of the contest logging programs have an auto post to 3830, so you should just basically click that button. If you want to be part of the Worked All CUSO Parties Award uh, program, then you'll need to do the 3830 plus you'll need to actually submit a log to each of the states. <laughs> so you have to be double logging everything, right? No, not double logging, but you have to send it in two places. So if you want to participate, Three, three, this is the beginning week and you haven't missed a thing yet. So this is the time to go ahead and uh, at least make a good start, get all three covered. Uh, and typically in order to participate in one of these, you need at least like three contacts. So you don't have to put in much time. Literally, you could put an hour in each one, but 
remember that the scoring is important in the overall challenges. Of course, if you, you know, work all the QSO parties, you obviously get awarded for that. And if you, uh, you know, make efforts in all of them for the state QSO party challenge, again, you'll get effort for that. But if you're really challenging other people, you got to get the points. So work them, work them, work them, work them, work them. Vermont, Minnesota, and British Columbia. So busy weekend for the state QSO parties. Next weekend, we have the CQ Worldwide RIDI WPX contest. And this one runs from 0 Zulu February 14th, uh, 13th, sorry, to 2359 Zulu February 14th. And this is, of course, 80 meters through 10, no work. And it's RIDI again. So another double warble, uh, <laughs> double warble weekends. Um, and I wanted to go over because we kind of always glaze over the prefix contest. So I just kind of wanted to read uh, the quick quick little rule summary so you understand how the prefix contests work. Uh, and this is why they're kind of popular. Uh, the prefix multiplier is the number of valid prefixes worked. Each prefix is counted only once regardless, regardless of the band or number of times of the same prefix is worked. A prefix is a letter numeral combination, which forms the first part of the amateur call. Examples, N8, W8, WD8, HG1, HG19, KC2, OE2, OE25. You get it? It's pretty simple. Any difference in the numbering, lettering, or order of the same shall count as a separate prefix. A station operating from DXCC entity different from that indicated by its call sign is required to sign portable. The portable prefix must be an authorized prefix of the country call area of operation. In cases of portable operation, the portable designator will then become the prefix. Example, N8BJQ operating from Wake Island would sign N8BJQ stroke KH9 or N8BJQ stroke NH9. Uh, a KH66 call uh, operating from Ohio must use an authorized prefix for the U.S. 8th District call sign and must include a prefix or, or you know, suffix of stroke W8 or stroke AD8, etc. Portable designators without numbers will be assigned a zero after that second letter of the portable designator to form the prefix. So the example there is P Papa Alpha stroke N8BJQ would become Papa Alpha Zero. All calls without numbers will be assigned a zero after the first two letters is formed a prefix. Um, example, XEFTJW, wow, that's a lot of letters, would count as XE0. Maritime Mobile, Mobile and Stroke A, Stroke E, Stroke J, Stroke P, or other license class identifiers do not count as prefixes, so just exclude them. So all you QRPers out there, get rid of the Stroke QRP. It's not for contesting. <laughs> uh, and it's not for FT8. I just saw somebody a while ago use it for FT8. Don't use that stuff in FT8 either. Anyway, uh, and there are no state QSO party challenges and WAQP uh, challenges for uh, the next next weekend. So uh, you get a break. So you got three on this opening weekend and none next weekend. So Spend a little time this weekend, knock out these three, and you can get a good start into both of those challenges. All right. Sounds like it could be a busy weekend for contesting for people who are into that sort of thing. And with that, we'll move on to amateur radio special event stations that are coming up. The first one we've already mentioned, but we'll mention it again because it is still upcoming. It is the Howard Anthony Founder of Heathkit commemoration. This will be operating on February 7th from 1200 to 23500 Zulu. Call sign is Kilo Delta 2, Foxtrot Sierra India. 
Frequencies will be on or about 3.900, 7.300, 14.300, and 21.300. Operating modes will be phone. Amateur radio station KD2FSI will operate as a special event station using a variety of vintage Heath kit gear to commemorate the life and legacy of Howard E. Anthony, the father of Heath kit brand of electronics kits. Starting in the morning with 75-meter single sideband, we'll work our way up to the 40, 20, 15, and 10-meter bands, and then back down again towards the evening. Additional information will be posted on Facebook as the event draws near, and the actual operating frequencies and modes in real time will be posted the day of. We hope all amateur radio operators with any type of equipment, new or old, will join us as we commemorate Mr. Anthony, the person responsible for starting Heathkit, the finest electronic kit company ever. Their words, not mine. And a link to the Facebook page will, of course, be in the show notes. I've never operated any Heathkit gear, so I have no context for this. My first radio is an SB104A, so I, I operated one for quite a while. I loved it. That's good radio. Very good. Uh, also coming up, we have the ARRL School Club Roundup. This is operating from February 8th through February 12th, 1300 to 235900 Zulu Daily. There will be multiple call signs. Operating frequencies are 160 through microwave bands, no work and no 60 meters. Modes will be phone and single sideband. And there are two school club roundups during each school year in October and February. Each five-day event runs Monday through Friday from 1300 UTC. We already talked about that. A station may operate no more than six hours in a 24-hour period and a maximum of 24 hours of the 107-hour event. And a link to all the information about everything you need to know about the AWRL School Club Roundup will be in the show notes. And finally, we have a special event commemorating our favorite dwarf planet, the Pluto Special Event. This will be operating from February 20th, or February 13th through the 21st. Uh, random operating hours, from what I can tell. The call signs for this will be Whiskey 7 Papa and Whiskey 7 Papa Stroke Zero. Frequencies will be on or about 7.290, 14.090, 14.290, and 21.290. Phone and CW. The Northern Arizona DX Association is conducting a 10-year special event countdown to the 100th anniversary of the discovery of Pluto by Clyde Tombaugh at Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona. And if that didn't make any sense, this is the 91st anniversary. 100th will be in 10 years. Uh, this will be an annual nine-day event held each February through the 2030 anniversary, which is the inaugural, with the inaugural event this year, 13th through the 21st. Subsequently, the event will start on the last Saturday before February 18th of each year. Club members will be operating from Lowell Observatory and their home QTH is using the special event call sign Whiskey 7 Papa. A beautiful 8x10 color certificate suitable for framing with endorsement stickers from each year work during the event is available. Each year, Doug Tombaugh and 3PDT, Clyde Tombaugh's nephew, will be operating during the event as W7P-0, and a contact with him counts as an additional endorsement on the certificate. Club members will be operating on as many bands and modes as time and conditions permit. And a link to information about that special event will be in the show notes. So that's all we have for Amateur Radio Special Events. The only announcement I had in here was to tune into our next episode, not our next episode, but our next deep dive episode, which will be about Dude Star. We will have the author of Dude Star on the show, and we'll talk about, all about digital radio and the uh, new technology that's involved in software decoding of uh, the software vocoder involved in Dude Star. Was there anything else we needed to touch on? Mm, nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. I'm going to take that as a no. 
uh, with that being said, um, I put in here an LHS ham radio challenge of checking out JS8 call. It's something we haven't really talked about a whole lot, and we did get some some interesting um, information last week about JSA call, about some of the things it can do that we didn't really know about. And hopefully in the future, we will have an upcoming deep dive into JS8 call so we can explore the depths of the mode. But in the meantime, if you get a wild hair, you can check out JSA call and see what it's all about. And maybe you can learn more about it than we already know. And with that being said, let's move on to this weekend in open source. And Bill is going to tell us about a distribution we talk about every so often, but apparently there is a new release of it. That's right. Uh, this is Solus 4.2. Solus is a Linux distribution built from scratch. It uses a forked version of the PySci package manager maintained as EO package with, within Solus and a custom desktop environment called Budgie developed in house. The uh, project's latest version is 4.2, which includes package updates across key components. The Budgie desktop has gain improvements and features a new system tray and better support for desktop I- icons. Uh, the uh, release announcement included, we are proud to announce the immediate availability of Solus 4.2, a new Solus 4 Fortitude series release. This release delivers a new desktop environment, updates, software stacks, and hardware enablement. All of our additions feature Firefox 85.0, LibreOffice 7.0.4.2, uh, Thunderbird 78.6.1, for audio and video multimedia playback, we offer software out of the box that caters specifically to our desired experience for each edition. Budgie, GNOME, and Mate ver- editions all ship with Rhythmbox for audio playback with the latest release of alternate toolbar extension to provide a more modern user experience. Budgie and GNOME ship with GNOME MPV for video playback. Mate ships with VLC for video playback. Uh, Plasma ships with Eliza for audio playback and SM Player for video playback. The release announcement offers further information, so check it out. Uh, Solus 4.2 is, uh, of course, um, just awesomeness. <laughs> I'm always a, a big Solus fan, and I did uh, spin it up on the virtual machine, and there are still, as of today, <laughs> no ham radio packages. So uh, uh, you will have to uh, uh, have to compile some stuff to get it going. Um, but, uh, it wouldn't be that hard, obviously. Come on. We all know it's pretty easy. We, we had an episode talking about building your own packages. So Solus, uh, 4.2, uh, it's a fast, fast, fast distribution. Uh, doesn't come with, uh, all the legacy stuff that, uh, some of the, uh, more established distributions have. So Solus is very much alive and, uh, check it out. All right. Very good. And with that, we will come down to our open source events for the next couple of weeks. And this is where we bring Cheryl in to tell us what kind of open source events are out there and what you can participate in to learn about the open source ecosystem. Alrighty then. Our first one is the EU Open Source Policy Summit. It is on February 5th. It's online, obviously. It's free. And the information about it says the EU Open Source Policy Summit 2021 aims to build bridges and encourage exchanges between the vast open source community and European policymakers. At this virtual event, we will hear representatives from the many stakeholders working at the intersection of politics and technology. We look forward to convening this conversation at this critical juncture as discussions of open source move into deeper understanding of the strategic role open source software and hardware will play in Europe's digital future. And more information is in the show notes about that. The next one is the Usenix File and Storage Technology Conference, otherwise known as FAST. 
It's February 23rd through the 25th. It's online. The cost ranges from zero to $125. And the information is FAST21 will take place as a virtual event this year. FAST will bring together storage system researchers and practitioners to explore new directions in the design, implementation, evaluation, and deployment of storage systems. More information will be in the show notes. The next one is Open Source 101. It's February 24th and 25th. It's online. Uh, the cost is free, maybe. Apparently, whoever looked up the information didn't find anything about a cost. Um, and the information about it is Open Source 101 is a conference designed to educate current technology professionals and technology students on topics foundational to open source, open tech, and open web. The event will feature sessions on major topics delivered by some of the top experts in the country. Attendees will include current technology professionals experienced using open source, those coming from a proprietary background and new to open source, as well as students from computer science and other technology programs at universities and colleges throughout the region. Schools represented will include the University of Texas at Austin, Department of Computer Science, and more. Um, so the conference has been structured to allow and encourage access to nearly everyone. The first 250 tickets are absolutely free. Those after the first 250 are claimed at just $19 each. That's less than a dollar per session, a tremendous value, which somebody just put that in. So <laughs> now, now we know what the, what the deal is with the question mark. So, and that's all we had this week for events. All right, very good. Plenty of stuff to get involved in with open source. And that's the first time we've talked about Usenix in a while. I didn't know if they were even transitioning into online conferences, but apparently they are. So excellent. And for our Linux in the Hamshack open source challenge, we just will mention JS8 call again because that bridges the gap between amateur radio and open source. And we want people to go ahead and check it out as hopefully we will all get a chance to check it out and maybe talk about it on a future episode. So with that, we will now slide deftly into the world of hedonism, which is our favorite part of The Weekender. And we always start off our favorite part of The Weekender with food, because everybody has to eat, except for the breatharians. And I highly recommend that you don't Google YouTube for that. Um, and also the people who put sunlight on their butthole. But these, um, it, it's a thing, trust me. Um, okay. Please don't ask me how I got there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> go ahead and tell us what you got for a uh, recipe for this week. Okay, so the recipe for this week is the barbecue chicken pizza roll. And, of course, I'm doing this because it's Super Bowl time, and what's better than snack foods for watching a big game? Russ and I both live in Missouri, and I was raised to support state teams like the Cardinals, Chiefs, etc., and Russ gladly joined in cheering them on. So this week I actually went on a hunt for a Kansas City-based recipe. And Kansas City is known for their barbecue. So this is a quick and easy thing to make. It needs a refrigerated uh, pizza crust, uh, barbecue sauce, cooked chicken, green onions, and pizza-style shredded cheese, which is usually a mix of mozzarella and provolone. So that's that's what you need in the way of ingredients. Uh, unroll your pizza dough, throw everything on there, roll it up, and stick that baby in the oven. And in about 25 minutes, you'll have a great snack for your uh, tailgate party. So sounds good. And for and my, sounds easy too. So yeah, we might have that this weekend. Cool. So. And then for our, the mixed drink corner, I went on a hunt for a Kansas City-based cocktail, 
and I got a cocktail by the name of Kansas City Ice Water. It has gin, vodka, lime juice, a lemon-lime soda, Sprite, 7-Up, something like that, and a lime wheel for garnish. Uh, you put everything in an old-fashioned glass, and there you go. So, again, yeah, the recipe would be in the show notes. So, enjoy your weekend. If you're watching the Super Bowl, Russ and I, of course, will be cheering on the Chiefs. So Sounds like a Kansas City cocktail. A little simple and gets you messed up. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> okay, so moving on from there, we come to my drink corner, and tonight I'm not doing a bourbon for a change, and I haven't done a scotch in a while. I might have to bring that back for uh, for another future episode, but tonight we're going to be talking about a rye whiskey, and this is Sazerac's six-year rye whiskey, which is also known as Baby Saz. Uh, it's distilled and bottled by the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Uh, it's the six-year-old version of their 18-year-old counterpart, which is part of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, which is much harder to find and much more expensive. Uh, Baby Saz is a low-rye whiskey with a mash bill that barely makes it eligible for the straight-rye straight rye designation, which makes it a bit more floral and sweeter than higher-rye whiskeys. Uh, I do find an approximated mash bill on this one. It's 51% rye, 39% corn, and 10% malted barley which may or may not, you know, may vary by a little bit, but it's at least 51% rye. Otherwise, it couldn't be a straight rye. Bottled at 45% alcohol or 90 proof, it comes from Buffalo Trace Distillery, of course, which is in Frankfort, Kentucky. It's a nice honey gold with maybe the slightest touch of amber in it. It's a really nice-looking whiskey. comes in a kind of a cool bottle. It's a shorter body with a longer neck, so uh, definitely nothing like the bottle that the 18-year comes in. The nose on it is probably its nicest attribute. It's really, really nice. Um, let me take a quick nose of it again and see if I notice anything else. No, it pretty much plays out what I've got here. Uh, spiced apple cider, clove, nutmeg, sweet corn, and the tiniest hint of tobacco at the end. It's, it's really pleasant, and it's because it's rye but a low rye, it doesn't have that heavy sort of licorice anise thing going on. It's much sweeter than that. Uh, the taste on it is really good, too. It's got a lot of, like, baking spice in it. Cinnamon, clove, pepper, honey, a little mint, and something that is almost exactly described by sugared cornflakes. It's almost like frosted flakes. So if you love frosted flakes, you'll probably really like this. <laughs> uh, and the finish on it is a, it's a little short. It's a six-year it doesn't seem to last very long, but it has definitely got all of those spices packed into it and a little bit of the barrel note as it exits your palate. One thing I did notice is yesterday I made some old fashions out of it, and it makes a killer old fashioned. So keep that in mind if you want to make rye-based old fashions. I've found places where you can buy this stuff as cheap as 20 bucks, and I paid a lot more than that. So depending on how much your local alcohol purveyor wants to gouge you for it's anywhere between 20 and 40 bucks uh for the six-year version of sazerac but it's excellent it's can be used as a mixer i'm drinking it straight it's fantastic straight and it's very approachable for a rye so i'm going to give this one a 91 on the rating scale it's really good and if you can find it for less than 40 bucks um you'll definitely enjoy it wow so that's the Sazerac six-year rye whiskey. And Bill, you got anything? Uh, not really. Just uh, doing the Wild Turkey 101 right now, and it's uh, it's great as always. This is this rye is definitely one of the most uh, 
accessible ryes that I've had. But again, it's because it's only 51% rye. <laughs> but um, I like some ryes that are much higher rye than that. In fact, I like there's one really, there's a 100% rye I have in my collection that I really, really like too. But uh, like I said, if you want to make a Manhattan or an old fashioned out of this stuff, it's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, check it out. All right. Well, I think that pretty much covers it. I don't think we have anything else to talk about except for mention the folks who decided to indulge themselves in a little bit of hedonism live with us tonight. We had Tony K4XSS, Ted WA0EIR, Steve K7HPT, Tom N4HAI, Don KC9ZMY, and Don KB2YSI. So thanks to everybody who tuned in, who spent a little bit of time hanging out with us, hopefully drinking. And hopefully enjoying life, which is what the Weekender is all about. And with that said, we will have another one of these in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, there will be other episodes with other content. Probably more technical and maybe more interesting. But in between all of that, make sure to live life and enjoy it to the fullest. And with that, we'll catch you next time. This has been episode number 391 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch by social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.